welcome to another episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast with your hosts, David and Nick. In this episode, Archie doesn't get Dick Tracy, Conan goes back to Marvel, the Ice Cream Man comes to town, and we get damaged. Stay tuned for all this and more! Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's okay. See, man, you throw me off when you do different sounds. Yes. I just I try to shake it up every once in a while. I want the audience to be on their toes. I want them to like not expect what's going to happen, you know? Keeps it lively. Well, I am... Especially you. I, I want to keep things lively for you. Thanks. I am David Luzader. That is Nick Shermooksness. You are the listening audience, and this is the show where we talk about comic books, the newest releases, the news surrounding them. We have done that now for 100, well, when this one is complete, 150 episodes. This is Holy our 150th crap. episode. That's pretty crazy. That That's a lot of episodes. This it is probably the is. biggest thing I've committed to in my entire life. That's wrong, but like it feels like a really big commitment. Yep. So uh, we used to do, I'm going to try to do some quick math here. I should probably open up the calculator app if I'm going to do that because I can't do this in my brain. So we used to go for an hour and a half because I was dumb back then. Hey, I even said back then we shouldn't do it for an hour and a half. Just want to put that on the record. Uh, did you though? Pretty sure. Maybe uh, may have never been recorded, so we really can't contest it in court. But uh, you know, what? Uh, no, doing math in the middle of a show is boring. I'm not going to do this right now. Instead, we're going to talk about Nick, your weird obsession with the movie Bright. Whoa, whoa! You are the one projecting this weird obsession onto the movie Am for I, me. Though? I have literally just tried to have a conversation with you about it, and what you repeatedly get hostile. That is what? it. That no, is no, happens. I think. If the record will show that I have just been like, hey, here's my thought on the movie. And if it's negative, you're like, uh, nope, it's amazing. Shut up. First off, I don't think I ever used those words in concert together. In well, relation I wouldn't be to surprised Bright. if you told me to shut up because somebody in that movie is telling every someone else to shut up every two minutes. The word shut up is said an insane amount of times. I that felt movie. like that scene just really did a lot to sort of develop the characters. Uh-huh. Which, really which scene quick... am I talking about? The shut up where they're just all so shut, every everyone shut. every other minute of the movie yeah so, to be fair you kind of like froze for a second so all i you froze and then came back and said shut up and i felt like i knew exactly what you were talking about <laughs> just just to be clear <laughs> the fact that everyone in this <laughs> um, movie tells everyone to shut up honesty is time. really important in any relationship yeah, um yeah, even and, one and is, how is that uh, how has ours that. survived <laughs> i really um, do wonder what like if our relationship was observed just what the diagnosis would be and be like oh you you two should not be around each other ever again right but yeah at the same time like i feel i i think i'm happy i don't know i'm gonna have to bring it up in therapy with our but anyway back back to bright yeah to bright um so i just want to be clear up front I didn't dislike watching the movie i didn't dislike watching it either nick in 19 in the 1990s who enjoy plenty of terrible Will Smith like buddy cop type movies like Wild West, Wild West, freaking great. Will not revisit it. I know it's terrible. It's on Netflix. Revisit Perfect. It. Checking it out. Um, Bright is just that kind of movie. Is it 
maybe more problematic in today's day and age? Could we go in, like, go in and, and tackle the nuances or the fat or the lack thereof in this film that was trying to touch on like racism and such? We totally could. I'm just trying to like pull back from this. But it was a bad buddy cop Will Smith movie. That was um, trying jo- to say a Joel- lot. Is it Joel Edgerton? Joel Edgerton, right? written Edgerton as written, the orc. Yep, written. I by... like the orc. So he I'm... was. So that there was like some stuff that was really unclear. Like, what exactly does it mean to be unblooded? Uh, it's you know, you know when you don't when you don't have blood bleed, when, when you you're, don't bleed when you're dead. Oh, I think he did bleed. Yeah. So. Maybe he was it, he unblo- um, was unblooded the bad thing or the unblooded good? was a bad thing. It was like you're yeah, not. Yeah, so he's part... never bled before. That's not there what that go. means. I solved it. He never. That is never not bled. what that means at all. Uh, so, not that it. Not that it especially matters. Yeah, this movie was also written by Max Landis, and was directed by David Ayer, people who were really at the heights of their career when uh, when this movie came out, and boy, is it something. I feel that I don't really know where I was going with that sentence, but I mean, David Ayer directed Fury, which was supposed to be really good, and he, he also directed Training Suicide Day. Squad, which was a, not a movie. Not, uh, not so good. Uh, and he, but I mean, he directed were, Training Day. He directed, or no, Training Day is uh, Fuqua. You said the movie was Training Day with orcs. It pretty much is. I mean, let's be perfectly honest here. I think David Ayer may have written Training Day. Let's go ahead and uh, check this out for my own. Man, writer. Yeah, written by, written by uh, Training Day, David Ayer. He also wrote The Fast and the Furious. Who? And David, David Ayer. Ayer? Yeah. Wrote Fast and the Furious? The first Fast and the Furious? Fast and Furious? Wait, that was like no, the fourth the one. Fast, yeah, Fast and Furious is the fourth one. The Fast and the Furious is the first one. And then Too Fast, Too Furious, it's and then the Tokyo one. Drift, and yep. then Fast and Furious, yep. and then Fast, Fast five, 5, and then Furious 6. Um, what is the sixth one called? Fast and Furious 6. I'm glad that this was more entertaining than opening then, up a calculator. Um, Furious 7, and then The Fate of the Furious. Oh, right, right, right. So, right. speaking of movies, let's talk about just a little quick check-in on our Marvel movie rewatch for this year, people who didn't catch us last week, if you watch one Marvel movie, MCU movie a week starting the week of January 1st, uh, once a week you will watch all of them up to Infinity War. You will watch Black Panther the week Infinity War comes out. Uh, I am taking that challenge. Nick is as well. And this week, though he, you have not seen the movie for this week yet, which would be Iron Man 2. Yes. But you did. But I've seen it. In the past, yeah, you, way back when. You did over the weekend, though, catch up on Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk. Any hot I, takes, any quick things to add to that conversation? Not, neither of them were as good as Bright, that's for sure. Oh, boy. Just because Bright is, like, the best movie ever. I think, um, yeah, Iron Man 2 is something. Uh, I forgot the entire storyline about where Iron Man is keeping world peace, apparently. Uh, it's also the longest like gap in MCU movies because it's tw- 2008 was the Incredible Hulk and Iron Man, and then 2010 was Iron Man 2. Um, I think I'm gonna keep just kind of a running tally of as I'm going, which ones are my favorites. Like I'm gonna be ordering them 
right now, mm-hmm. it's definitely Iron Man, Iron Man 2, and The Incredible Hulk. You liked Iron Man 2 more than The Incredible Hulk. Yeah, man. You watched The Incredible Hulk again. I did, and I didn't, like, I'm not, like, bright. Everything goes back to bright. Just want to be clear. Oh, boy. Incredible Hulk was not the best Hulk movie we could get, but... And the script wasn't as strong in some places, like um, the guy that played Samuel Stern. What was like? I just didn't get quite get what they were trying to do with his character. Like he was an amoral scientist, but he was also just kind of goofy, so it was hard to take serious. Like they kind of wanted to go comic booky a bit, but not too co- not as comic booky as the Eric Bana Hulk movie. God bless Eric Bana. Um, Eric Banimal. But like I, I don't know. Like I would have kept watching Edward Norton as as Bruce Banner. You know, I, I like Mark Ruffalo for sure, but mm-hmm. but I, I like I really didn't mind the Incredible Hulk. You yeah, know, I, I mean, wish it'd been better, but but it, it you know there were some questionable choices. But all these movies have questionable choices. It's really I'm really yeah. bad at reviews. But um, look look what I'm all I'm saying here is that number one, it's it's not as good as Eric Bana Hulk because nothing will ever be as good as Eric Bana Hulk. Uh, and bright two of the best and, things the world has ever produced nope. uh, but what i'm saying is out of these three movies that incredible hulk is just currently at the bottom of my list that will change because uh unless captain america the first avenger somehow gets good this time it's probably still gonna wind up at the bottom of my list i mean i think the only reason you don't like captain america the first avenger is because you're unpatriotic but i didn't say that i feel like you just literally it, but... said it I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, that being said, Iron Man Two does have the suitcase armor, which yes, David, like, oh, I make bring up all these things about about Bright that you think are silly, but you're just like, oh, the Iron Man suitcase must have been super heavy. So like, yeah, it must have been. I bet, and maybe Happy just really likes working out. Uh, what about Pepper? Pepper also really likes working out, David. Ooh, they can both work out. It's not exclusive. Real skinny arms of hers. That that hiding a lot of a muscle. lot of muscle. Her bones are made muscle. of muscle. All right, why don't we go ahead and just hop into our news at this point? Our top story today: <laughs> After a disappointing <laughs> summer, Humpty Dumpty has a great fall. 150 episodes in, and we're still having the stellar conversations that people expect. Uh, well, a couple weeks ago, I talked about the. Archie Comics was going to be releasing Dick Tracy comics. And but it as, turns out David was lying, uh, and now we have to retract the story. Yep. So, David, it's um, your shame. You should take care of it. Okay, wow. Maybe let me talk. Uh, well, so April 11th, it was scheduled to be released as an ongoing title. I was like, hey, this is kind of cool. I'm curious to see how this character is going to work in a modern setting. Uh, they have announced now that due to an unfortunate error on our part, Tribune is sad to announce that there will not be a Dick Tracy comic series from Archie Comics. While we had uh, hopes for the book and Archie Comics negotiated the deal in good faith, it is not their fault. We discovered a pre-existing licensing deal that precludes us from continuing with this project. So, yeah, that is just kind of how things shook out. Apparently, someone else has the rights to publishing Archie Comics and uh, or to Dick Tracy Comics, and Archie is getting the shaft. Well, that stinks. Um so, oh, yep. apparently in 2010, um, Brian Michael Bendis said that he and Michael Avon Omeg uh, were working on Dick Tracy comic book, but it was killed by Warren Beatty, who retains unspecified rights to the franchise. Interesting. Yeah. I don't have a strong opinion on any of this. No, but, but you, know, you know, Archie, as far as the people involved, you know, I'm compassionate towards there are different people that seemed like they were really passionate about the project, so it's always... You know, 
sad when stuff like this gets the axe when it's kind of really out of people's hands. Um, but hopefully Dick Tracy, you know, finds yeah. new life elsewhere. I mean, with April 11th, but that like announced, you know, they had deadlines. There was probably pages oh, done, scripts were definitely. done. And, uh, and now it's all gone. Yeah. That sucks to be them. That does suck. Uh, speaking of licensing, uh, Conan the Barbarian is returning to Marvel Comics for God knows what reason why. Um, mostly because of licensing, and I guess Marvel wanted it back, and really no uh, one Marvel, wants Dark Horse Comics to be happy. Marvel, you mean Disney wanted it back. Or Disney. Did yeah. it, just to be clear, did Disney have it before? Was that like under no. the Disney umbrella, or did they ever license it or so, anything? No. So Conan... Um, is owned by I can't remember it's something like yeah Conan Properties International is they're the ones who own Conan the Barbarian and they uh, are really involved in Conan stuff like all Conan stories have to go through Conan Properties International and they like they keep pay close attention to what happens uh, and I guess just for whatever reason Marvel came in and was like this is ours now and they were like cool. Yeah, I mean it's the kind of thing it's hard to contest when it's involving in licensing and stuff, but that's really interesting though from 1970 to 2000, which I got into comp books, you know, seriously probably around 2001. Oh. Um maybe 2002. So it's like I I knew that Conan had been at Marvel, but I thought it was like a 70s thing, which you know, it started in the 70s, but um so really I mean Conan did have a long and illustrious career with Marvel Comics, so 650 issues. That's quite well, That's he appeared in that many. He, did, he didn't have that many, probably, individual comics. Yeah, but still, 650 issues is a lot. Um, Dude, what's going on with Dark Horse? Dark Horse, it, it doesn't have Star Wars anymore. It doesn't have Conan. I mean, it's got Hellboy. It's got Buffy. Uh, honestly, I don't check in on Dark Horse that much. Like, I, I have a goal of, like, reading, you know, all of the Hellboy comics. I've read a bunch, but I kind of want to go back and just revisit everything. Clearly, I'll never do it. Yep. Um, so, but, but I mean, there's just not a lot that comes out from heart, from heart horse, from dark horse, from heart horse, that, from, from heart yes. doors. So they, heart horse, dark horse's cousin. They used to have like they used to be the number three publisher, and now they're like scraping by at number five sometimes. <laughs> scraping by, you're number five out of how many publishers? Yeah. But you're scraping. Okay. Which in the comic book industries, it's really Marvel, DC, and kind of Image now, but really just everyone else. Yeah, yeah, like that's, I mean, that's, yeah, they are not sharing, you know, it's not like, oh, Marvel and DC have about 20% of it, percent of it, and then 80% of the market is going to everyone else. It's more like they have 80% of the market, uh, image probably getting, you know, close to 10, and then that 10% is getting divided up amongst everyone else. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's tough out there. I mean, do you think that we could see Dark Horse wind down i mean what you know they have deadpool who has a new movie coming out but that, that I mean, dark horse has deadpool? not deadpool deadpool uh hellboy man hellboy yeah. Dakota? Yeah. There. yeah he's got a new movie coming out but we've seen that doesn't exactly bolster comic sales like yeah they have buffy but like what if what if they're not around in 10 years i mean i hate doom saying I'm not educated enough. Uh, I mean, okay, I'm pretty well. I have a, I have a college degree. You're not like, educated. I'm, edu- I'm educated. Know. But on subjects like these, 
I, I'm it's very armchair, you know, educated. So it's hard. I hate passing judgment on things I don't understand that well. Uh, I would love Dark Horse if, as you know, if if it's a reputable company that like everyone's well paid and that they can continue publishing, you know, great. Basically, Hellboy comics, but um, you know, I, I don't want to say it's you know they're, they're definitely losing two big properties for them. Star Wars, obviously, being a big one, which they lost. Star Wars, it's been what two years now, a little over two years, maybe. Uh, it's been um, about two years, yeah. And you know, they're still still chugging along. Conan, well, I'm sure big for them. Like Conan's not at Star Wars level heights. Um, you know, they could find a way to bounce back. There, there could still be time. I'm also not sure when it comes to like, obviously image has really exploded over the last several years. Mm-hmm. And I kind of know that image, like they're, they're public, I guess the publishing, right? It's like, everything's a hundred percent creator owned. Like they're really just facilitators. I don't know where that falls with dark horse. I've never really looked into it. If they also offer like a hundred percent, uh, creative rights, uh, and ownership to them, or if they are taking a slice of it or how it works. Um, you know, but if it is different from image, I'm sure a lot of people find the image model much more appealing. Um, but yeah, that's awkward period at the end of a sentence that wasn't completed. Let's just go ahead and blame. Um... Dang it. I had it in my head. Oh, Saga. Let's just blame Saga for everything. Brian K. Vaughn. <laughs> well, speaking of characters and their continuous life uh, Millar plans to reboot Kick-Ass again in five years Mark Millar for those that don't know um, and Kick-Ass the character that has uh, headline two uh, movies Yep. So um, there, there green was a, suit yellow trim an announcement a few years ago that Mark Millar uh, well I guess it's just Mark Miller I pronounce it Millar but uh, there, they would be the character Kickass would return with a new character taking up the mantle, and within five years that'll apparently happen again. Kickass was always a legacy character for me. He explained to Entertainment Weekly, "It's like Doctor Who or the Flash or Green Lantern or James Bond, and that should be rebooted every once in a while with a new face. The same thing should happen again in five years." Uh, now, it's the return of Kick-Ass. We'll see Patience Lee, a black female army vet in her early 30s, take over the mantle of Kick-Ass. Mother of two kids, Patient comes home from Afghanistan to find her life completely different from the way it was before she deployed. The central location is also shifted from New York to New Mexico, and Millar stated that previously the dynamic of the book will be different this time around. The flavor will remain the same. I think that David, the main character of kick-ass died at the end of three he did not die he, he did retired not die. He, retired. he chose to retire mm, gotcha well yeah apparently... i think the end of the not and i really don't think i read kick-ass past volume one i should know that because it's my life but um i i think i read that at the end of kick-ass three or whatever it was that he chose to retire and i think they even teased the new kick-ass at the end of that series i kind of remember something about that yeah but yeah, so I mean, Kickass is one of those characters that, like, don't get me wrong, like it was popular enough in comics. Like Mark Millar still has a pretty good foothold in the industry. He's got the Netflix deal, uh, and Kickass was definitely big at the time. I guess it remains to be seen first how this new iteration of Kickass will go. Um, you know, you can. It's easy to say like, oh, we, we we can envision it like James Bond, but the sales really are going to speak to that. If this new Kickass is really successful, then. You know, then they could they might have the momentum to then you know start it all over uh, with a new iteration of the character. But it's you know it's cool that Mark Millar has these plans. I'm not particularly interested in Kickass at all. 
Um, but for those that are, you know, sounds like you're going to be getting uh, your ass kicked for a long time. Yeah, I, that doesn't sound. Right. I liked the first volume. I think in the first volume, it actually felt like there were some interesting observations, and they were trying to to say some stuff there. Um, I felt that less so as the series has gone on from what I've read. I read a bit of Kick-Ass 2 and it seems to just devolved into like people beating the shit out of each other in costumes. And then it like got really dark and really violent. Um, I mean, the first volume is pretty violent, but it gets pretty crazy and really terrible, terrible stuff happens in kick-ass 2 uh and they also change things uh because the movie was successful so like we're gonna change stuff in the continuity of the comic because the movie was so successful and i hate it for that uh so all this to say that i have a complicated relationship with the kick-ass comics i probably won't read uh this new iteration of it but Maybe it'll be amazing, and if it is, maybe I'll check it out. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? In some uh, little bit of quick hits, uh, Black Lightning scores CW's highest debut in two years. Uh, the last largest debut was when Legends of Tomorrow debuted. So, woo, woo. Haven't watched Black Lightning yet, so can't speak to the quality, though I've been hearing good things. Uh, David, any quick thoughts? Uh, no, it's it's great news. I'm glad this character had a successful start, and I hope that it continues to have its success. I have not watched the episode yet, but I hope to check it out soon. Cool, cool, cool. And then our last little quick hit, The Tick from Amazon's original series has been renewed for a second season. <laughs> Another show I have yet to watch. I saw bits of the the, the pilot, uh, but not, not enough to really form a strong opinion. Have you watched any of The Tick? I watched the pilot. And I did enjoy it quite a bit. I really do want to watch the show and see where they went with it. Because they really did take it sort of away from the wacky comedy that the original show was. Mm -hmm. And um, to see, it seemed like it had a, a darker, bit of a more serious tint to it. And I really want to see how that played out. Uh, but I'm glad that it's got, it's done well enough to make a second season. We really don't know. Um we really don't know in like these shows what exactly is successful how many people does it take to view it in order to justify a, another season mm -hmm. people are, do you remember like a month ago when netflix started making some jokes about like these people like this number of people have watched the christmas prince every day uh you know are you okay and people were like what Netflix is like tracking what we watch? Were people legitimately surprised by that? That just seems we like. Do, eh, come on, people. Do people not realize? I mean, they, and first of all, they never said like, "Oh, we know exactly who watched it." Uh, by the way, guys, they know exactly who watched it. Uh, but it could have been like, "Oh, we just see the same IP address is watching it all the time." Um, but it's, like, it's definitely it's a it's definitely a discussion that I think expands beyond the boundaries of our show. But you're right, like it's kind of in this day and age. Like I'm not saying I love it, but everything we do on the well, internet is true. But how do you think that they know? Like, okay, well, this show's successful, so we're going to keep making more. Of course, they know how much how much a show is watched. They release this thing of like, oh, we know exactly when people get hooked on a show. We know what episode they stop watching at. 
So yeah, they're so, tracking what you watch. Like. Right, and I think Netflix is a similar thing, right? Like it's not just that they watch the whole series, but they watch like how many people watched the first episodes and how many episodes they went on to. Like it's not just like it's not just that everyone watched the first episode initially yeah. or whatever, or even completion. Like they're considering a bunch of different viewing habits into the factor. Yeah, and also they're like when they're tracking you watching it, they're not like sitting there being like, oh. Look at the stuff that John is watching. Let's all like they don't care about like no, no offense guys, you're a number. They don't really care about what you personally watch. They just want to know if you've watched Stranger Things enough to justify them making more Stranger Things, and you probably have. Also, probably none of your viewing habits changed after that news came out. So I don't know why I'm getting mad at you, but get your life together. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, let's review some stuff. Cool. And I'm going to play the review bumper. To the Batmobile. Let's go. 150 episodes. As we get into our reviews here, guys, I forgot to mention there at the end of the news, if you have any thoughts on the stories that we talked about or if you feel like we missed any important stories, please do email us, heckyeahcomics at gmail.com. Nick, we are now into our reviews. You apparently read Justice League number 37. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? I did. Oh. I just got to go back to my, get the comic pulled up. Nope, nope, that's technology, people. It's what it does to you. Steals time. Uh, Anyway, I read Justice League number 37 by Christopher Priest and Philip Bruins. We are... Um, 34, 35, we're four issues in. I can't believe math. Math is hard today on this show. Uh, Four issues in to the... 150. Yes, we yes, this is 150th episode, and we are doing stick spectacular. I just said spectacular. Spectacular. Um. Anyway, Justice League. Uh, it's continuing the Justice Lost arc, where we've basically been seeing the deconstruction of the Justice League via popular, or in this case, unpopular opinion. Um. After an event in the first issue of the arc, where Batman stretched himself too thin, trying to orchestrate or organize like three different Justice League missions, a nun was killed by a terrorist, and uh, that's kind of put them on the hot seat, where everyone's now questioning their stability and their role, and just how much power and influence they have, and if it's really right or appropriate. And of course, the team is taking this—they're taking this stride. They're not taking this stride, but they're also trying to. Uh, acknowledge their place and if they're relevant, if they're necessary, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's a really interesting arc. Uh, Christopher Priest has a has a really good use of dialogue to carry both like the the character uh, to emphasize a person's characterization, um, but also to progress the plot. Uh, and it, it it is an interesting plot. That being said, when I four issues in, when I finished this, I was like, I don't know if I like it. And only because, like, it's really interesting, and I like deconstruction, I like kind of, not in a serial killer way, but, like, taking things apart and, like, seeing, like, is this, you know, how would the Justice League function in the real world, basically? It's a really interesting tactic to use because we know that, unlike, say, the Authority, which was kind of an example of what would the Justice League do in the real world, they kind of ended up turning into sort of kind of fascist dictators. The Justice League, you're never going to see them in main continuity as, quote-unquote, fascist dictators, especially relishing or reveling in it. Um, So these characters are obviously coming up against hard truths that, A, at this point in their career, because now with, like, time kind of being reasserted, like, they've been operating for at least a decade. Um, I feel like these are questions that would have come up a lot sooner, uh, that if even if the public was somehow not turned against them immediately, that, like, they would kind of question their methods a bit more. So some of this kind of feels like a smack in the face. There's some, like, 
uh, trying to justify certain things. Superman has to stand from and stand in front of a court and kind of explain like why the Justice League, like why the Justice League is important and why they do what they do. But it's hard because like we know that Justice League, like this isn't going to end with the Justice League. But it feels like when you come up against these questions and the way that they operate and that they operate under their own oversight in a satellite, a weaponized satellite in space, like when you bring too much reality into the story, that's where it can yank you out. And then suddenly you're like, oh, God, like I really shouldn't be rooting for these people, even if they do good deeds. Like I would not appreciate this in the real world. And it just it ruins things. So Hmm. I, I am invested in the story and I like it on concept and really like the, the team's doing a good job, but it is that kind of feeling like this might be too much that it, I do enjoy. I don't necessarily always enjoy going back to just the justice league beating on, you know, some villain or some invasion or whatever until it's over. Like I like nuanced debates. I like, you know, strong characterization, but finishing this latest issue just has me worried, which also coincidentally or not coincidentally, but makes me want to, continue reading it so it's i'm in a real struggle here um this art the art for this issue was done by philippe briones um who i guess is doing guest art uh, for pete uh, pete woods um i definitely felt like he tried to emulate pete woods a bit so that the art stayed a little bit consistent but it's definitely still a very uh distinct style um it i wouldn't say it was rushed or anything it just it didn't like captivate me too much i'm also terrible at speaking about art so i'm really not going to try and throw briones under the bus or anything uh it's unfortunate that four issues in that we already have a guest artist but that happens in this day and age and forever especially with um, double shipping yeah it was shipping and i think this is actually a, is, is just like a double shipping book i really haven't been paying was. attention to the schedule i feel like four issues have come out and i'm pretty sure we talked about this the first time two months ago so that would that sounds about right um so that makes sense uh, yeah, so it's weird. Like, I, I don't want to dig too much in the particulars of the story. I recommend if you like sort of how do we respond to this very unreal situation in real world terms, then I think you would find it really interesting. Um, if you're more of a traditionalist and you don't necessarily want to be confronted with the realities that we probably shouldn't have super beings living in a weaponized space satellite, um, then I don't know what to tell you. You probably won't like it. Um, but yeah, so that's Justice League number 37 and the overall arc so far. Um, I do like his use of some of the secondary Justice League characters. Like, there's definitely elements with, you know, Batman's been a central figure of the arc, but he's also been elevating uh, Simon Baz a lot, one of the Green Lanterns. Uh, Aquaman had a little bit to do in this issue. Flash, I feel like, hasn't had a whole lot. He's kind of been the, you know, just kind of the jokester for some things, but he's also developing Cyborg as a potential future leader of the Justice League. Hmm. Uh, it might actually lead to him being the leader of the Justice League. But he gets questioned in a previous issue about, like, like you're clearly Terran, but you're also much more technologically advanced than these other people. Like, why are you not leading instead of following? Which has kind of put a bug in his head. Because um, initially he's like, I don't want to lead. Um, but it's clearly developing into something potentially more. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see how that develops. Um, but yeah, Justice League number 37. Uh, came out this week check it out if everything i just said is appealing to you very cool yeah i really can't wait to catch up on the story um probably gonna trade weight on that one but i really want to read it um my review this week is a book called ice cream man number one this is new out of image comics uh it is written story by w maxwell prince the art is martin morazzo and chris o'halloran or uh kind of double build their colors by chris o'halloran art by uh martin morazzo 
And uh, I'm just going to read the solicit for this book to kind of set the stage of what is going on here. Uh, chocolate, vanilla, existential horror, drug addiction, musical fantasy. There's a flavor for everyone's misery. Ice Cream Man is a genre-defying comic book series featuring disparate one-shot tales of sorrow, wonder, and redemption. Each installment features its own cast of strange characters dealing with their own special Sunday of suffering. And on the periphery of them all, like the twinkly music of his colorful truck, is the Ice Cream Man, a weaver of stories, a purveyor of sweet treats, friend, foe, god, demon, the man who, with a snap of his fingers, lickety-split, can change the course of your life forever. So they are... The, wow. The, the, that, just the term lickety-split all of a sudden makes me feel really uncomfortable. Because he says the words lickety-split in whenever he like gives something to someone in this wow. comic. Um, uh, continue, Dave. The ice cream man does. So this is really selling this book hard, which it's a solicit. It should do. But it uses words like genre-defying. Uh, friend, foe, god, demon can change the course of your life forever. Um, so yeah, that's what we're setting up with. This is apparently going to be the book that's going to be amazing because it's a solicit and that's how they should try to make it sound. But getting into it, uh, this story is about, well, it starts with the ice cream man at his truck and parents and kids are lined up and then this little boy comes up who doesn't have parents and he gives him an ice cream cone the little kid goes home and there's this whole there's these text boxes about a spider the most venomous spider in the world um and then it's revealed that that kid has that spider and that spider bit and killed his parents and he's just been living with their bodies for a while uh, meanwhile, we're introduced to this detective who all we know is she doesn't really like her job. Uh, the chief calls her in and is like, these people have not shown up for work in 10 days. Why don't you go find out what happened? Uh, they, as they're going to go figure that out, the little boy has a run-in with the ice cream man who is wearing, like, tattered clothes uh, and is stumbling around in the woods. They go and investigate the house, find the dead bodies. The partner gets bit by the spider because the spider doesn't like adults. Uh, the detective that we were introduced to chases the little boy out into the woods where they run into this weird werewolf-like creature uh, that kind of attacks them, gets bit by the spider, and then runs off. Uh then the little kid's taking into the foster system. The detective is just kind of wrapping things up. The ice cream man finds the spider, turns it into an ice cream cone, and that's where the story ends. Oh. Yeah. I don't feel bad uh, spoiling what happens here because it's supposed to be its own little contained story, and um, I'm not really sure what I read, <laughs> to be perfectly honest here. And just for the listening audience here, I can uh, maybe sum this all up for David based on what he texted me. Um, he texted me earlier. This was around maybe 5.23 p.m. He said, I'm reading Ice Cream Man from Image. It's an anthology. Uh, and then at about 10 minutes later, his text was, well, comma, that was dot, 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 uh, dot, dot, dot. So, yeah. So, David. So, there you go. yeah. So, this. 
this book is strange. And I love strange. That's not a bad thing. But it sort of gets strange for strange's sake. Uh, it's sort of written with some really stereotypical dialogue. Um, there's zero character development. Which, I understand, we're only going to see these characters for one issue, but there's zero character development. This character who's, like, bored with her job doesn't suddenly, at the end, realize, like, ah, oh, I love what I do. This little kid whose parents died, and then he lived with them because he felt weird and guilty. Like, that's interesting, but that doesn't go anywhere. Um... The Ice Cream Man, who's apparently some weird werewolf thing, is not on the periphery. He is part of the story. He's there in the middle of some of the goings-on. This is strange for Strange's sake. and Or even Stranger Things. uh, And it just, I don't know, it doesn't... It doesn't... I don't get what I'm supposed to get out of this story aside from like, boy, that stuff is just kind of weird. I don't believe that these two people, uh, it would take 10 days before anybody would call it in. Like, Oh, they haven't shown up for work in 10 days. And then apparently like they, like their, uh, employers like call the police or something like it would probably happen sooner than 10 days that someone would notice unless they never interacted with anyone that like you weren't around you like disappeared mm-hmm. um yeah and like the the dialogue that the uh the detective has with her partner he's like oh you know you should you should come over and uh, have dinner with us sometimes you never like open up it was just all very stereotypical um and th- yeah, the art is good. Actually, I do, do enjoy the art. It has a Chris Burnham, uh, Frank Quitely kind of feel to it, uh, which I think is appropriate for this kind of surrealish story. I guess the biggest problem with all of it is that I feel like I'm missing the point. And if someone wants to write in and explain it to me, that would be really great. <laughs> um well, you are out of touch now with society and what's hip. So, like, I, yeah, I, it's so it's like I, I, part of me wants to read the next issue because I want to see like, okay, does the story evolve? Does any of this stuff matter? Mm-hmm. But it didn't feel like it did. Um, if 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 I'm going to be introduced to a cast of characters and just hear this one little story in their life. I want it to be more than just this is a really weird thing that happens to them. I want it to have meaning and affect them in some way. Mm-hmm. All this story felt like was we dropped into these people's lives where something really weird happened and then they just moved on immediately. And at the mm-hmm. end, the ice cream man drives away and is going to the next town, I guess. Interesting. This makes me think, and I think other than the fact that they both involve uh, people that deliver dairy for a living um the do you remember that dc had announced the the jla young animal crossover milk wars vaguely features um the character milk the milkman man is super superman um i don't know where i was going with that but for some reason i kept saying thinking ice cream man and thinking of this milk wars crossover and then you mentioned chris burnham and frank quietly uh similarities to the art and frank quietly did the art 
on uh, uh, for the covers for Milk Wars. Cool. Yeah. Well, hey, speaking of DC, we are going to head back over that way now as we do our, in this case, a dueling review of Damage Number 1. This is coming out of the, uh, what is it, Age of Heroes sort of line that they're, they're launching. And this is the first book uh, by Tony S. Daniel, who's, well, they're listed as storytellers. Um, they are not the- listed as writer and artist. So for those that know, the, the, some of the books or all the books coming out of the New Age of Heroes is an New initiative Heroes. by DC where the artist takes do- top billing uh, for the creative endeavor on the book that they're both the ones you know, drawing the book, but also taking a stronger hand, guiding hand in the development of the story. Um, I haven't really read any reviews on damage, uh, not reviews, uh, interviews ahead of time. So I don't really know how the work is split here. Uh, I know that in previous partnerships like this like the artist like will definitely contribute to the story and such but usually might take a backseat to the dialogue so my... you know, they're going to set up the scene that might do it like marvel style and then the the writer in this case robert venditti might come back around and do the dialogue. this is just speculation yes yeah, so from my understanding is they're doing it marvel style where the writer will give an outline the artist will then create the story and then the writer comes back in and set fills in the dialogue mm-hmm so damage number one is about I can't remember the character's name now. I want to say it's Ethan. Uh, like Ethan Avery. Ethan Avery, who is a, a super soldier experiment. It's um, the Hulk, David. He's, well, it he's, is a hundred percent the Hulk. It's the Hulk with cro- our man limitations. Crossed over with Captain America because he's a super soldier sort of thing. But of course, this sort of power is difficult to contain, and it escapes, and the army is attempting to contain it. That is sort of where we come at in this issue. Nick, you didn't like it. Go. Well, so reading it, I just on one hand, like and I've I've mentioned this to you a couple times in recent days. Like I enjoy in media res. I enjoy being dropped into a story. Um, and just kind of having to figure out for myself. It's not like what's going on is particularly hard to figure out in this story. Uh, it's just that for me, the execution fell flat. The art by Tony Daniels is 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 strong in and of itself, but I didn't feel like the storytelling, the way that it was that it was flowing from panel to panel or page to page, um, I felt disoriented in a way that like wasn't a good disorientation. Like sometimes you read a story and you're like, holy crap, like I don't know how I got from A to B, but that was awesome. This I got to the end of it, and like they were dealing with relatively, cle- like the, like these are just tropes. Like this is yeah, it's 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 the Hulk, you know, it's or it's just like experiment gone wrong, or yeah, the super soldier elements or whatever. But it's basically this guy experimented or volunteers to be experimented on by the government, uh, loses control, escapes from the facility or from a training exercise or something, and now the government people that create him are trying to find him. Uh, and he's, you know, spoiler alerts, he's going to get hunted by the Suicide Squad or Suicide Squad or Task X for Task Ask, <laughs> Task Force 11, not text, Task Force 10 or X. Uh, I don't know if you picked up on that when you got to the end of the issue. That that's not the standard Suicide Squad. Yeah. Um, but I just. I don't it, I just didn't make me care. I feel like in a first issue especially within the first half of the issue, like you might not know everything about a character, um, but you, you should at least learn, feel like you care about them and their exploits. I don't care about Ethan Avery and his exploits. He's, 
you know, you see him in human form. You basically see his mouth in his hand right before he transforms. Uh, and then he's just like this gray Hulk monstrosity, just kind of rampaging. Think, which I think has a great design. I do want to throw in. I the think design that... isn't bad at all. It's just, it's basically you just get this character, like he's the main character and you really don't get a lot from him. You get, the, you, and you also get some really kind of choppy dialogue with this other soldier that's kind of the one taking point on hunting him down. And he's like jealous that he didn't get to turn to the noseless, you know, freaky Hulk monster thing. Uh, and that Ethan didn't we deserve do, it. We do get some stuff with Ethan where Ethan is battling for control. His, there's, vo- his yeah, voice there's, is there's, in the monster. There's, there's someone, well, also, there's a voice talking to him that I don't think is his own internal voice. Uh, Though I, I, I think maybe I did read an interview, or at least some one of the the um, excerpts for the comic I think said that there's dueling person. There actually are two intelligent personalities dueling for control within this damage Ethan hybrid thing. Hmm. Um, I don't know. It's just it was dealing with a lot of tropes that I've seen before, and it's not that I'm I'm I, I sometimes like when people repurpose old tropes and try to find new things to do with them, and maybe this is the kind of thing that's just going to take more issues to explore. But as far as first issues go. There wasn't enough there to to ca- to capture my attention. I just really See, don't care what happens at this point to Ethan. But well, well, I mean that's it's it's hard, uh, and we've spoken about the problem with first issues before. Uh, this was the first action scene of a movie. It is supposed to intrigue, and it did intrigue me. I I liked the action. I thought that. Uh, stuff was that cool stuff was going on. I'm like, yeah, fun ride. We just going along uh with it and i i understand that you don't feel like oh there's not like a super strong connection to these characters um but i think that's coming and i think that maybe they're playing here for a little bit more of the long haul they're hoping that the excitement and action will be enough to keep people coming back or future issues i'm definitely intrigued um i thought the suicide crossover at the end there was a nice little way of uh like hey we can get some suicide because there are definite dedicated suicide squad fans like maybe we can get the suicide squad fans over on this book to check it out it is like a, a smart little way to uh try to flag another fandom but it always it always seems like suicide squad lately the same thing happened in new superman yeah well whenever there's a whenever the characters have their q rating or whatever go up like they're going to be in everything iron man was in everything after iron man you know like that's that's just what happens and you know i am definitely a fan of really obvious marketing techniques um because i'm just i guess i'm not a very nuanced person but what would it take for you in an issue to for this to really grab you for this to really hook you if you were if you were to be like all right i'll give issue two a shot I think, okay, so when it comes to soldier characters, I just think the default is they they can be very deep. And, like, sometimes it, it takes a while to develop them. And usually it's like they've got a hard exterior but, like, a gushy interior. Uh, and it just takes time to kind of get into that character. Ultimately, I need to care about Ethan Avery. And in this issue, I don't care about, you know, about damage. He's just this giant gray hulking monster, you know, destroying stuff. Um, but if the second issue can can slow down and, and get into Avery's life and kind of send what, you know, they don't have to explain the full story, but like, why did he volunteer for this program? What was the impetus for what's going on in his head psychologically? Why ultimately, why should I care about him? This guy, from what I get from this issue right now is that he volunteered for an experiment 
that turned him into a monster. And then he's trying to escape and they're saying that we don't have to be their monster. But he volunteered for this. Now, maybe it wasn't all above board and he got betrayed in some way. But like, I just he's not a very compelling character right now. You know, I grant this was only like 20 pages. But another thing, and sometimes this is important to keep in mind, maybe five years from now, if I came back and read Damage with all the hubbub of the marketing for New Age of DC Heroes, I might have a different reaction to it. But as it is, it's standing as the vanguard of this new initiative by DC, highlighting brand new characters that we need to care about. And it's awesome that they've got at least one fan from you, and you know they're definitely not going to please everyone. But as far as like the first book out of the gate for this big initiative... It wasn't strong for me. It didn't entice me, and I'm hard pressed to want to come back for the second issue. All right, and I don't. You know, it's not just me. There are uh, there are other very positive reviews out of this. Uh, comicbook.com gave it a B rating, and I did. I was listening to another comic book podcast where they were a fan of it. I, I get. I don't want to like diminish where you're coming from. Like, well, you missed the point because obviously not everything is for everyone. Um, I, you know, I'm coming off of my ice cream man review where I was like, that was just too weird. I didn't, didn't sink my teeth into it. This one, I was more entertained than I was probably, I guess with ice cream man. I'm like, Oh man, this action is a lot of fun. I'm assuming there will be a story later. It's not a book that like I'm a hundred percent in on this. It's not, you know, rumble, which had me from go. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I don't know if, uh, maybe an issue two will have me totally hooked or maybe within, you know, two or three issues, I'm going to be saying, well, that was fun, but, uh, Goodbye, damage. Right, and and to be fair, not every book has to be like a psychological in- introspection on you know the character life. Some books can just be big dumb fun, you know, smashing stuff up and all that stuff. And it just might be that that's not where my tastes are right now. Um, you know, I guess that's what yeah. Justice League was, and that apparently was, uh, you know, causing me issues. So clearly, I, I just can't be satisfied with anything. Yeah. And, and Hey, you know, I see a couple other reviews out there that I'm checking out and, uh, I saw one that was, you know, five out of 10. This one, uh, is also not incredibly glowing. They're all kind of saying, I think a combination of what we're saying is like, ah, the action is cool, but I really hope that there is, uh, more to come. Right. I think that's just kind of where we're where we are sitting. If you read damage this week, please do let us know what your opinions were on it. We're going to begin wrapping down our show. We also want to uh, hear just your thoughts in a review. We want to know how the show is doing 150 episodes in. Uh, you know, some changes have been made. Some new changes are coming. People seem to be really enjoying our interviews and we just want to know how you feel about the show. And if you're liking it, please leave us a review. Uh, quick announcement here that our upcoming interview this month will be Beth Revis. We're trying to set up a time right now. Hopefully, it'll be out uh, within... I, I was hoping to have it next week. We might not be able to get it until the week after, but we shall see. Let's go ahead and get into our recommendations. You boys aren't nerds, are you? My recommendation this week is the movie Bright on Netflix. Because I knew, I knew, Nick, that you were going to recommend it just to try and get something out of me. I actually 
totally forgot about Bright by the end of this <laughs> episode. Uh, but, but but David, you're recommending it. You I'm feel recommending very strongly about yeah, it. You I feel think, like it's something that people oh, should spend their time on. Tell us why. No, Bright's not good, <laughs> but Bright <laughs> is entertaining. Uh, it don't watch it alone. Watch it with people. That <laughs> it's you, not a movie you can watch alone. It's really not a movie you should be watching. I mean, alone. I watched it alone. Yeah, what, what does it say? Yeah, oh, what does that say? Uh, <laughs> I think it's a movie that really benefits from the crowd sort of experience, whether that's, you know, a couple of friends or if you can somehow rent out a movie theater to watch it, good for you. Uh, but, no, but I think it needs the jokes and the conversation. And, you, can, you know, I think it would be entertaining enough on its own by yourself. But I mm-hmm. think it really does benefit from watching it with friends. And I have been developing a drinking game for it. I don't have everything down yet. In fact, you know, I'll read what I have so far so if anybody's listening to this, uh, they can implement this on their watch. You take a drink every time Will Smith brings up being shot. And I actually take two drinks for that. Uh, take a drink. This one I might have to amend. Every time orcs are obviously a stand-in for black people. Uh, finish your drink every time one of the main characters gets shot on screen. Uh, get shot or gets shot at? Gets shot. Not shot at. Just gets okay. shot. Uh Finish or take a drink every time someone says shut up. Take a drink every time an elf does a flip. And take two drinks every time the word prophecy comes up. So I will expand those rules and post them somewhere online. But in general, the movie is dumb fun. So watch Bright, enjoy it. Nick, what do you have to recommend to the people? I don't have anything. I don't think you can top that Bright recommendation to be honest like i thought about maybe recommending parks and rec because i've been rewatching it a bit lately uh i haven't been on to anything new uh if you like the office then you'll probably like parks and rec or if you like local government uh, <laughs> or, or you know doing doing ideological viewpoints uh then and and humor then you, you you might enjoy it but i i what now that i wouldn't recommend parks and rec but i didn't have an official recommendation so how far you're in what season four, four? right now is, leslie is, is inter- running for office is entertainment 720, 720 in season four that. it's season three you yeah know, it's season three and ends uh, early into season four because you were you were texting me about that today i've been watching a lot i've just kind of had it on in the background yeah well, no, I now that, you, now that you mentioned it, I do think of that scene where Tom reveals to Leslie, like, uh, we're going under, today was my last chance. And she, like, sits down, like, oh, what? Your business that's very obviously been failing, that Ben explained to you explicitly is failing, is failing, and I'm going to act like this is, like, a big surprise? Not even that's a big surprise. It was more the concern that she found, which I mean, you know, Leslie's overall like a good person, but it was just like, but, but it's, but it was just like, I mean, then sometimes that's just what you get with, with comedies like this. I mean, whether it's like friends or the office or, or parks and rec, like it's really like a lot of times the people are assholes to each other or there's misunderstandings or whatever, or sometimes they kind of stress credibility uh, for a particular gag or interaction or whatever. But I was just like watching that. I was like, like Tom, Tom has some funny moments and like, I appreciate his humor just some of the things he says but as like a person i would never want to associate with tom at all i wouldn't want to associate with most of the people in the show to be perfectly honest i think that um i mean ben white's pretty ben ben is probably my exception and 
Anne. I really, yeah, I like Anne. I think that I actually would like being around Chris. I think like his, except for when he gets really depressed, that gets really sad. Right. He's but, very motivating, which, which is nice. Yeah. I wouldn't want to hang out with Andy. Andy, um, Andy, Andy would be like the fun buddy to drink with every once in a while. April would just be annoying to be around perf- to be perfectly honest. Be like, not okay. Just be normal. You know what? You know what? And then like, okay, gonna, not and I'll end this whole conversation now. I would hang out with Jerry. Or oh Gary. yeah, yeah. Okay, and hold on. I want to backtrack because like the whole thing like April be normal, which I, I'm saying that in the sense of like she does and says weird things for the sake of being weird. Mm-hmm. And as I've discussed, I don't, if you're genuinely weird, cool. If you're just trying to shock me with weird, I don't care. Right, which is an interesting character to explore, which with in that sense, like on one hand, it makes it worse, but also better. Like with Andy, he the way he's set up, you know, not just as the actor playing him, but like he like legitimately just says really dumb things because he believes it or whatever. And sometimes it's funny and and maybe endearing, but there are some times where he just go like you're just like, Are you freaking kidding me? Like characters sometimes stop and you realize they're kind of like looking at each other for a split second, but then have to keep acting normal. But something very not normal just happened. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, I, but yeah, but this being said, is like as a comedy goes, Parks and Rec has some really hilarious moments, uh, and I do enjoy it quite a bit. I, I will say one of my favorite tweets of recent times was: um, "The older I get, the less I, uh, the less I relate to April's fake cynicism." And the more I relate to Craig's aggressive optimism, which Craig, uh, the character played by Billy Eichner, who like yells all the time. Oh, he comes, he comes in in like season like five or six. Right. But man, I love it. Okay. Well, we have talked about Parks and Rec, which is not a comic book property and should probably never be. But that's going to do it for our show. Of course, you can find us at heckyeahcomics.com. You can also send us an email, heckyeahcomics at gmail.com. And you can find us on Twitter at heckyeahcomics. You can find me around the internet under the username DavLuz. That is D-A-V-L-U-Z. So Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, find me there. I'm also on two other podcasts, the Brokebot Mountain Podcast, which is a sci-fi podcast, and Movie Go Around, which is a just general sort of movie podcast. We have themes each week. Check it out. It's a lot of fun. And uh, you can find Nick watching Parks and Rec obsessively and giggling to himself and of course you can find us here next week same heck yeah time same heck yeah channel until then goodbye Worst episode ever.